Whitlam Institute exists to help in the great and continuing work of building a more equal, open, tolerant and independent Australia. I do not for a moment believe that we should set limits on what we can achieve together for our country, for our people, for our future. Welcome to the Whitlam Institute podcast. My name is Leanne Smith and I'm director of the Whitlam Institute. This podcast was recorded on the land of the Darug people of the Darug Nation, and I pay my respects to their elders, past and present, and express the Whitlam Institute's support for the Uluru Statement of the Heart. This podcast series was produced under our policy theme, Australia in the World. And this particular podcast series, The Future of Australian Foreign Policy Toward Afghanistan Post-Military Withdrawal, Afghan Perspectives, was designed as a series of conversations with Afghan political, academic and community leaders. It was intended for an audience of Australian policymakers as well as the general community with an interest in Afghanistan and Australia's role there. In light of the recent military withdrawal of US, Australian and other international forces from Afghanistan, and as the Taliban has continued to gain control of territory and attack communities across the country, the Institute seeks to raise awareness in Australia and beyond of the situation in Afghanistan today. We are grateful that several Afghan experts in Afghanistan, New York and here in Australia have been part of this production. There's an important conversation to be had here about Australia's moral responsibility to continue to support the Afghan people as they face this terrible new reality. What are Afghans across the country, and particularly vulnerable ethnic groups, facing today? How are women's rights being affected? What do Afghans seek from the international community to support them? And how can Australia be a part of that international effort? This afternoon, I'm lucky enough to be speaking with Dr. Niamatullah Ibrahimi. He's a lecturer in international relations at La Trobe University and an Afghan himself. Welcome, Dr. Ibrahimi. Thank you very much for having me in this conversation. It's lovely to see you again. Maybe I could start, Niamatullah, by asking you how it feels to be here in Australia, listening to the news and watching what's happening in Afghanistan today. Uh, well, it has been quite painful uh, to watch what has been happening in Afghanistan over the past couple of years. First beginning with the process of negotiation between the United States and the Taliban in Doha, process which began under the initiative of the United States, uh, you know, under President Trump. And that process really empowered the Taliban diplomatically, internationally, uh, and provided uh, important incentives for the group to subsequently engage and prepare for a really massive military onslaught that you know, we see in Afghanistan in recent weeks and months. And at the same time, 2021 has been a difficult year around the world, but in Afghanistan, you can see the combination of all of those factors coming together. The Taliban military offensive, a drought in many parts of Afghanistan, the pandemic, and also the gradual decline and retreat of the Afghanistan institution from many critical parts of Afghanistan. And creating this massive humanitarian emergency across Afghanistan. And more than half of the, the Afghanistan population now requires some form of essential support to survive. And this is, I think, really, really painful to watch for me as an academic, but also as an Afghan. The international community has been 
engaged this time around in Afghanistan for, for now 20 years and involved in supporting the Afghan government and the Afghan people to rebuild their institutions of governance, to extend services to the community for a long time under a difficult security situation. What's at risk now? What are the gains that are at risk? Uh, well, I think with the Taliban military onslaught, we have seen across Afghanistan, everything that has been built over the past two decades are now in danger. Uh, there have been these claims over the past couple of years that the Taliban has somehow changed in their uh, ideology, in their behavior, and they are more accepting of the changes that have taken place in Afghanistan. But unfortunately, the Taliban have taken control of territories and populations across Afghanistan. We see that those regions and uh, populations have gone back exactly to the way Afghanistan was ruled in the 1990s. There is no tolerance of freedom of expression. Uh, there is a to uh, tolerance of uh, you know, independent media. And women are often the first groups to be the victims of this massive you know, change in their areas. Uh, you know, really heavy, rigid restrictions uh, placed on the you know, women's basic human rights, like freedom of movement, going to school. And other groups like minorities, the Hazaras, have also been you know, really fearful. You have seen incidents of attacks on Hazaras. I have seen myself videos of summary executions of Hazaras yeah, by Taliban militants for simply who they are. You know, they're just Hazaras. And other groups that are feel particularly vulnerable are you know, journalists, civil society groups, women uh, rights activists. All of those groups are really among the most vulnerable in these areas. Mm. So, so unfortunately, you know, that promise of a changed Taliban is proving to be a delusion. I think um, there's no evidence that that is happening in any way in any part of Afghanistan. No, in fact, as you said earlier, it seems that they've been empowered by this whole process. So what do you think the Afghan people are looking to the international community for? now, given the withdrawal has happened? Well, I think now that the withdrawal is, has happened or is or being completed, uh, I think the people in Afghanistan really requires a long-term sustained commitment diplomatically and financially to Afghanistan. And that is an important one because you know, a lot of what is happening in the ground in Afghanistan is also impacted by the way various groups feel with regards to the Afghan government. Uh, and I think a long-term commitment will you know, boost the public moral and psychology in Afghanistan, which is, I think, really critical uh, to what will happen over the next weeks and months in Afghanistan. And then there's also, I think, another uh, important shift that needs to happen with regards to the Taliban behavior. And I think over the past two years, there was this really massive shift in the way you know, major actors like the United States, major media organizations talked about the Taliban embracing them as legitimate diplomatic actors. I think now that we see them the way they are, as in the 1990s, I think we need to pause and reflect on this group and, and describe them for the way they are. I think they maintain the links to international terrorist organizations, they oppress Afghan women, they don't tolerate freedom of expression, and they're not open to any, any basic human rights of the Afghan people. How on earth can the international community support ordinary Afghans 
by and uphold the principles of human rights. Well, I think there are a number of uh, important uh, diplomatic uh, initiatives that the international community can take. I think first and foremost, uh, international actors, including the United States and Australia and NATO, they can really come together um, and send a clear message to uh, regional supporters of the Taliban. That includes, of, in the foremost, Pakistan, but also other countries in that region um, who are just uh, hoping or expecting the Taliban might come on the top. And as a result of that, they are sending, establishing links in their own small ways to the Taliban. And that is really reinforcing that situation. And I think it is also important for the international community, the international media in particular, to be a little bit more selective on the way they report on Afghanistan, the way we talk on Afghanistan. And I think uh, the headlines of doom and gloom that come on the top of international media, which is obviously for international media consumption, but it will also get translated into Afghanistan. And I think that is really incredibly degrading of the public morale uh, in, in Afghanistan as well. A last question for you, Dr. Ibrahimi. As an Afghan Australian in, in Australia, part of the Afghan community here, what would you ask of the Australian government to consider as it starts thinking about its next stage of engagement with Afghanistan? Well, I think for me, it, it would be really important that Australia remains engaged on Afghanistan. Uh, uh, Australia, I think, has the middle power has um, the diplomatic capital it can mobilize, even if it doesn't have um, the military boots on the ground to change the situation, but it can work with other powers, European powers, countries in that region to uh, sustain uh, some level of international support for the Afghan national security forces. And I also think that Australia has also been strong in a number of international human rights uh, areas. Uh, for example, uh, women in peace and security has been, Australia has been quite strong about it, in the, in the globally, internationally. And I think Afghanistan is really that area where Australia can be really uh, strong about it, you know, champion that cause of women's rights in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. And that can be an issue where a lot of other countries can also join Australia supporting um, the, the rights of the women uh, in Afghanistan. And then lastly, I think another really important area for Australia is also to support people who require Australia's support. It, it could be uh, Afghans who work with Australian embassy forces in Afghanistan, especially in Uruzgan, they face massive uh, threats right now. But also, I think Australia has this important, uh, in a significant number of Afghan refugees uh, in Australia who are on temporary protection visas, three, four-year terms. And I think with the current situation in Afghanistan, there can be no reasonable argument made that within three years or two years or five years, Afghanistan will be stable for these people to be returned. I think I, as an Afghan, I have been here, I have seen you know, many uh, who have got families in crossfire in Afghanistan. Uh, I've been to funeral services here in Melbourne uh, uh, of people who have uh, on short-term visas here. So I think this is really, really important uh, for Australia to reconsider uh, those policy approaches, I think, in these critical areas. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you. That was Dr. Nyamatullah Ibrahimi, lecturer in international relations at La Trobe University. 
We had one more podcast scheduled uh, for this series with Dr. Seema Samar, the former head of the Afghan Independent Human Rights Commission. Unfortunately, because of safety and security reasons, we're unable to proceed with airing that particular interview. So this brings our series to a close for the moment. However, the Institute has had requests from members of the Afghan-Australian community to keep the conversation going. So resources permitting, we'll be bringing you some more stories from an Afghan-Australian perspective and hope to keep this Afghan perspective front and centre as Australia develops its policy moving forward in its relations with Afghanistan. Thank you all for joining us.